Good morning. Uh, I'm going to start today by reading the sermon text from 1 John. It's a letter written by the Apostle John. He was 85 years old when he wrote it, and it's from the very middle of the book. And it's, it's a, 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 a moment when he just wants to say, oh, this is so wonderful to be a Christian. And I'll read it to you, and then we'll, we'll talk about it and what it means for us today. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is God's word. Lord, let the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Amen. I want you to raise your hand if you do have some fond memories of your mother and father and how they raised you. Okay, that's great. We, we, for all of us being sinners, raising sinners, it's a mixed bag. But we, uh, we've got a room full of people that appreciate what God has blessed them with and their parents. Uh, October 4th, two days ago, my father would have been 90 years old. He actually died in May of 2001. That's quite a long time ago. He is in glory now. My mother passed away three years later. Uh, but when, your parent, when you reach your parents' birthday after they're gone and you're a man of my age, often you spend the day kind of dwelling on it, don't you? You think about them and what they gave you. And when I'm studying a text all week for you about the father lavishing on us and thinking about what God gave my father gave me and my family through through my father I, there, there's a parallel there there's an illustration for me on the day that my father went to glory uh, I was it was uh, like a, a Friday night Saturday morning I got the call about 4 30 in the morning and so I drove up all the way to Dallas by the time I got to the nursing home where he was uh, the funeral home had already arrived and they had already put his body in the bag. And so as I pulled up in the parking lot, they, the, the pastor of our church up there and my, my mother was out front and they said, I know you just got here and you wanna see him, but he's already, you know, they had a hard time saying it. He's already in the bag. I said, I don't care. I wanna go see him. So as I walked in the room, this is a, it's, it's, it's actually hard to say, but it, I, I, I want to sh show you what happened for me. Zip open. And there's the open eyes and what was after a long illness, the, what the remains of what was my dad. And rather than think of the morbidness of it all, all I could do was grip him tightly and cry and say, thank you. Thank you for what you gave me as a man in this life, as a father, as a friend and as a mentor and all the things that you gave me, I was just filled with appreciation. And I wanted to just one more time embrace him and, and say that. And you can see, if you look at the first line of this text, why that would be an illustration for me. Because, and I want it to be an illustration for you too, because you love your parents and what God gave you through them. And you think of them often. What, this, he starts this text with, Look what great love God has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. 
My father did not leave us as six children a great worldly inheritance. We weren't poor, but it wasn't. That wouldn't be it. Their great love lavished on us was a whole lot of dollars. What my father gave me, though, was a Christian heritage, a relationship with Jesus through baptism, through Sunday school, being a church leader, being a great mentor and a dad, provided a safe and stable home. And here's the kicker for me and my brothers and sisters. My father's father committed suicide when he was 11. His dad didn't leave that for him. But he purposed in his heart he would not be the same as his father. And he gave us a great gift. And he took care of us. And, and we are, as his children now, out in the world because my mother and my father sacrificially raised a family. And so we can speak this way about them. And they were not perfect. They needed a Savior just like I do, just like you do. But we can speak about them with great appreciation because we were their children. <clears throat> and it's actually something we feel good about being their children. And that's what's in this first verse. Now, the guy that wrote this verse, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is John. You might remember that when Jesus called his first disciples, he went by some boys, men with nets in a boat. James, John, right? Andrew. And what did he say? Come and follow me. Their father was Zebedee. And they left their nets and they followed him. They left a wonderful father that was teaching them the trade, that was with them and a great mentor. And they had a mother that loved them very much too. Remember how their mother went to Jesus and said, can you make sure that my boy James and my boy John, one sits on the right and one on the left in heaven? They had great parents. But what John wrote here is about the heavenly father. He says, what great love God has lavished on us that our father in heaven would call us his children. And this is the point. As emotional and as appreciative I am of being my father's son, it's even more true for all of us that we are God's child. And that's bigger and in spite of and surpasses our own earthly raising. That in our lives we realize God, we are God's idea. Psalm 139 says we were in his mind before we were born. We were made by God uniquely. There's no one else in the world ever that will, has been or will be made just like you. God invented you just the way he wanted you. And he brought you to life. And then he brought you to salvation. He knew you were going to sin in your own special way too. And yet he, his grace is so perfect it covers all of our unique sins. Yeah, you are in some ways a bigger sinner than everybody else. But God is so big, he's the big savior God that sent his son to save all of us. And somewhere in your lifetime, if you're sitting here today, maybe some, there's someone here that this is the first time you're hearing it. But God got through your hard heart and taught you that you are his child, that you are forgiven and loved. And just like a loving parent would continue to love their child even after they sin, God continues to love you even though he knows you're a sinner because he took care of that through his only son, Jesus, on the cross, and he got past your heart. And then he gave you so much to go with that. You are called a child of God. He gave you the word. He gave you a community of faith, a family like this to be a part of, a place to come and find peace on a Sunday morning in a time in your life where you maybe need a whole lot of comfort. 
And this place is here for you. And he makes sure that the, these are all over the planet. And God loves you that much that you, when I talk like this, you know what I'm talking about. You understand it and you believe that Jesus is your Savior and that you're a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that makes you different than the world. It's not always easy to be different. Because the way people behave is that they tend to reject, persecute, or just marginalize people that are not like them. It's not always good to be different, it feels like. But it's actually very good to be different than the world as a child of God. And so John, writing to us to encourage us, says, Hey, the reason there's people in your life that don't get you as a Christian is because they don't know him. So you shouldn't spend your time feeling badly that they don't get you. You should feel urgent that they would get to know him. Because the reason they don't get you is that they don't know him. We're not the same as the world. We don't live entirely for ourselves. We, we, don't, we have a leader and we have a book. And we have God's word where they live like a pack of dogs. And, they, and everyone follows their own reason. And many times their reason takes them down very bad and poor choices. But that's not you. Out of faith and love for God, you make choices all the time to, to live for love of God and love of people. And you deal with your selfish nature all the time, every time you see it. You're different than the world. And that's good. That's a badge of honor. That's not something to feel bad about. You want to stand out, right? That's what you are, a child of God. Jesus called it another place light and salt, didn't he? Different than the world. Child of God. That's all identity. Um, yesterday, I'm going to try to, my pastor Dan said, keep it short today. <laughs> yesterday, my brother happened to be with us at a football game. He saw me walking. My dad's name was Bill. As I came up to the stands, he says, hi, Bill Patterson, because I walk like my dad now. As we're getting older, I look like my dad did when he was in his 50s walking. Um, it's, it's good to be that. I told him, thank you. Although I think he was trying to cut me down because it's the way my dad used to walk. He thought it was silly. Very different than the world. That's my identity. But that's not what I'm going to be. That's not what you're going to be, just very different than the world. We are going to be so much more. What we are right now is not what we're going to be. What we're going to be is absolutely wonderfully 100% holy and perfect and agile and healthy and restored and glorious in heaven. And this Bible passage is one of them that, that teaches us that. We're not just different than the world, but we have a destiny to be glorious. So let's go to the next passage. Dear friends, I'm sorry, go back. You were, you were there. Dear friends, now we, now we are children of God, but what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
These are deep spiritual truths attached to very simple passages. But here's the theology that's other places in the Bible all packed in here. The minute you die, your soul goes to heaven and it becomes entire. It shucks off that, that, that outer selfish nature. Completely gone, the monkey is off your back. Your soul is then perfect in the presence of God. On judgment day, when everyone's body is raised up the way that Jesus's was on Easter, your body will be perfect. And remember, not just perfect and healthy, but glorious. It'll still be, rec- Jesus was recognizable as the man that he was. He bore the scars. But he was, he was powerful and could enter a room without opening a door. And John just says, John was there. He saw Jesus that way. He says, when we get to heaven, we don't know exactly what will be, but we will see him as he is. And since he is the light and we are the reflection, we will somehow reflect what Christ is. We will be like him. Glorious. Now, when you look at your body that's wasting away, or your grandpa, or your husband, <clears throat> or your wife, you, you can find joy in that and peace in that. It's called destiny. Destiny brings hope. When you know God with a word of God tells you you have a destiny different than what you're in right now, you can, in your mind and in your heart, you can live in view of that destiny and you don't have to live with what you're being made to feel like today. Like if you get a serious illness, you feel sort of like a science project and a pincushion, right? But you're not. You're a child of God that has a destiny to be glorious. And if you watch your body, a friend of mine said the other day, I can't stand looking in the mirror anymore. I get older and older every time I look. You don't have to think of yourself that way. You have a what? A destiny. You're going to be glorious along with the Savior. What great love God has lavished on us that he's given us an opportunity to look at ourselves from a promise perspective rather than have to only look at what we see. We're going to be like him. We have identity, child of God. And we have destiny. But we're not there yet. Okay, I believe this. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? Say yes, or if you do. Then, how are you going to live? How does that affect the way that we live as Christians? This is a unique Christian insight, what I'm about to tell you. There are things we have in common with other religions, like we have a deity. We have a book. But this is unique to Christendom. We live... To let ourselves be changed by God because we want to, right? We want to be changed. And so everyone, this is what John says, all who have this hope in him, in Christ, that we are children of God and that we have a destiny, they purify themselves just as he is pure. That means we love to to cooperate with God and work on our attitude. We love to work at resisting sin. We don't want to go the way of the world with its addiction to sex or money. We don't want to go the way of the the world and be all about me or say, I get to decide everything about what I think about myself. I want to let God think about it. We let our thoughts be purified by the word of God. You're here today because you want, you believe, somehow if I get there and I hear God's word, it's going to have a purifying effect on me. So I could have done other things this hour, but I wanted to be there. I want to be there and hear it and let it, let it work on me because I want God and I want his purity. And we do it. The unique insight is that we don't do it because we have to. We do it 
because we want to. And you remember when you were growing up to what you are now as an adult, that somewhere along the way, all the, the, the have-tos of you know, having to make your bed and having to comb, brush your teeth and comb your hair and having to do your homework, somewhere it all started to make sense of what a wonderful thing that was that all these things were going to be part of your life. And you didn't do them anymore because you had to. You did them because you wanted to. And you see the beauty of them and how, what the blessings that all of those things, saving money, all those things bring to your life, right? Well, in Christ, that's where we are religiously. We're not a have to, we're a want to. And it's wonderful. That's the great gift he gave us. Just like when you honestly appreciate your parents, you want to honor their name, you want to honor the family, and you want to, you can hear their voice in the back of your head, and you want to honor what they taught you by practicing it in your life from a willing heart. My mom and dad raised six children. One has gone to glory already. There's only five left. But while we're here, if you see many of the virtues that you might see in my life were given to me by my parents. We are their legacy. Same way as a Christian. You, as a child of God, and me as a child of God, are Jesus' legacy. He's not here, but he is, right? He's not here in the flesh, but he's, he's here in the room where two or three are gathered in his name. And he wants us to be his legacy with each other and out in the world. So when do you stop being that legacy? Only when you take your last breath. There's a lot of talk today about leaving the smallest carbon footprint, right? Well, in Christendom, you want to leave the largest gospel footprint, the opposite. You can leave a small carbon footprint for the environment and the environment, but for the spiritual environment of this planet, the body that's living and breathing right now called you, leave the biggest legacy that you can for the gospel. That means time and interest and support and money toward Jesus and his mission. That's all part of the legacy. And it takes purifying yourself along with him to constantly let his word reset you and, and, and give you that chiropractic adjustment, spiritually speaking, and get you healthy and back on the road each week, each day to be the legacy that he wants you to be. Those who have this hope purify themselves just as Jesus is pure. They, they let God's word do that in their life. Amen.